the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.5 FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Boria Kat and I'm your host for today. So coming up on Hi Kids today, I will be interviewing Dr. Gerson. He is an ENT and a qualified mohel. So just stay tuned to 101.9 High FM to find out more about him and his job. Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a Khaki's riddle to challenge your brain. You can win two tickets to see Beauty and the Beast live. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you just want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 round 50. You can send me a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. And please, don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. I repeat, 010-140-3020. Get ready for a very exciting show on High Kids Today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Maria Katz and I'm 11 years old. I have Dr. Dean Gerson in studio with me. So send your questions to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon. Abroya, thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. I'm so excited to find out more about what an ENT means. What does it mean to be an ENT? So what is an ENT? So what is an ENT? An ENT is a specialist doctor who has specialized in treating diseases and conditions of the ear, nose, and throat. Is there a full name for the ENT? Is there a longer so, name for yeah, the Yes, so the actual um, real name is Otto Rhino Laryngologist. So Otto means ear, Rhino means nose. And laryngologist is the throat. The larynx is the voice box. So I'm an ENT or an otorhinolaryngologist. Wow, that's quite a long name. Long name. That's why we chose the ENT. Yeah, I can I can see why you chose the shorter one. How does earwax build up? How does earwax build up? Well, let me tell you what earwax is. Earwax is produced by special glands in the ears called cerumen, and it has a special uh, pH that uh, keeps the ear canal free of different bugs that grow there. And the purpose of earwax is to clean the ear, dead skin cells, as well as the cerumen or or, um, different secretions get uh, caught together and they form the wax. And the wax is propelled out the ears by hairs. And the purpose of the wax is to clean your ears. So your ears are self-cleaning. You don't need to clean your wax Never, ever, ever use an earbud. They're not even called earbuds. They're called cotton buds. And um, your ears are meant to clean themselves. You're not meant to put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. And as a doctor, can you put something smaller than one's elbow in a person's ear? Sure, I can if you know what what you're doing. Um, So definitely not a a cotton bud. But uh, we've got special hooks and suctions that we use to clean out wax in the ear. The only time wax becomes a problem is when it builds up so much that it causes either an infection behind it or that it causes hearing loss because you can't hear. Fro- the, air, the air and sound waves need to get past the wax to your eardrum, and if there's too much wax there, they can't do that. That sounds so horrible. It is horrible. 
So you have to clean out wax. Some people just produce lots of wax, and some people have either thin ear canals or they have very curved ear canals, the normal ear canals shaped slightly like an S. If they're too curved, sometimes the wax gets blocked up, and people usually come, some people every three to six months to clean out their wax, some people every year. Some people have to come sometimes every few weeks to clean out their ears. Every few weeks? Every few weeks, like yeah. Like an extramural. It is like an extramural that they have to. I've, I've got a, a very special young lady who comes to me every two weeks, and I have to clean out her ears. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. That's she's like a often. wax. Fa- she's like a wax factory. It's a pity she can't sell it. It is a pity. We should keep it maybe and mold it into candles. Maybe yeah. Hanukkah's coming up now. Maybe we can make some earwax uh, Hanukkah candles. Maybe. What do you treat the most? An ear, a nose, or throat as an ENT? Good question. Um, I think it depends on the time of the year, but I would say nose. I'd say sinuses, especially around uh, winter and spring. And especially um, our Jewish patients can't run away from your genetics. Often a lot of uh, asthma allergies, eczema, allergic rhinitis, um, pollen allergies. And they um, often come around this time of year, around September, spring, and the first rains. And they've got blocked noses or runny noses or they're snoring. So I'd say probably I see sinuses and noses the most. And does anything happen in the summer? Sure, a lot of nosebleeds, but people who have um, allergies or chronic sinusitis, they um, come all year round. Why does the heat make a difference to how often your nose bleeds? So heat can make, especially up here in Janusburg, can make the air very dry. That makes the mucosa or the lining of your nose dry. And when it's dry, it can crack. People pick their noses. And also the blood vessels in your nose dilate in the heat. So they get bigger and they can often burst much easier in the summer than they do in in the winter. Is there anything you can do about a nose that's bleeding very often? Yeah. So noses that when if you have a nosebleed at home, first thing is to squeeze your nose, the front of your nose, the soft part of your nose. A lot of people squeeze the bone. You can't squeeze bone. So you squeeze right at the bottom. Under the bone? Under the bone, over your nostrils. You squeeze, you put your head forward, and no peaking for 15 minutes. Most of them will stop within 15 minutes. If you're having lots of nosebleeds, then it's a good idea to go to your doctor and to find out what the cause of the nosebleeds are. Most of them are from, uh, in children, from picking, nose picking. Disgusting. Disgusting sometimes, yeah. Digging, mining, digging for diamonds in the nose. <laughs> and uh, other times um, it can from be from injuries, bumping your nose. Dry nose, um, itchy nose, uh, blowing too hard. And uh, if it does bleed and it's not stopping, then we can cauterize. Cauterize is a fancy word for burning. We burn the blood vessels in the nose. That sounds very sore. Um, it would be sore if we didn't use local anesthetic, but we put a cotton or soaked in local anesthetic in your nose and it makes it numb. So then when you burn it, it doesn't uh, hurt. As much. I'm sure it still hurts. To Afterwards some it burns a little bit, but when you're doing it, it's completely numb. Well, that's good. Yeah, it is. Otherwise, uh, people wouldn't come back to you, I think, if you hurt them. Modern technology. What can we do yeah. about it, eh? Yeah. What can one do about a blocked nose? Blocked nose. There's many, many causes for a blocked nose, ranging from a common cold or flu. Um, from Some people get it from allergies. Some people get it from um, irritants that they have at work. Some people get it from sitting in an air-conditioned office the whole day. 
Some pe- women get it when often when they're pregnant from hormones. Different medicines can make your nose blocked. And then there are funny things like different growths in your no- nose, either benign or very really malignant cancerous growths in your nose. So if you have a blocked nose that's not going away, it's always a good idea to visit your doctor. What what can you generally use? Saline? Yeah, so, I mean, most people would just um, blow their nose. Um, you can use saline sprays. You can steam. Before you get into the shower, you leave the hot water on a bit and then go in into the steam or you can put your face over a bowl of um, hot water and, and try steam. And uh, most uh, upper respiratory tract infections or colds or flu Self-limiting should go away in, in a few days, but if it persists longer than a week or 10 days, then with fever, and very important, the color of your snot. Clear snot is okay, and then can change color, can change to yellow and green, sometimes mixed with brown and white, which is pus. I'm glad I'm not eating. Yeah, yeah that's what I I'm just a snot spit and, and wax doctor, so... Um, if you see changes in color and you have fever, you have headaches, you're not feeling well, nose is blocked for a long time, it's a good idea to see your doctor. Definitely. Rather be safe than sorry. Sure. How do you know for sure if one of your patients has tonsillitis? Tonsillitis. So, what are tonsils? Tonsils are glands that are in your throat. They sit on, they like almost almond-shaped or oval-shaped glands. They're part of your lymphatic system. That's a fancy system in your body that uh, drains infections and drains a special fluid called lymph. And inside the tonsils are cells called lymphocytes, which help get rid of infection. And um, if you have tonsillitis, it means that if either the bacteria or virus that you've had in your mouth or in your nose has gone to your tonsils for infection for the infection to be fought off. And people present with a sore throat. They present with a fever, difficulty swallowing, sometimes difficulty eating, and they also then sometimes can get glands in their neck or swellings in their neck, which also indicates that your body's fighting infection. So then you look in their mouth and you look at their tonsils. Are their tonsils red? Are they big? Do they have spots on them? And um, yeah, that's how you check if they've got tonsillitis. Do you need to go for a swab? Um, in our only in our country, funnily enough, we don't really uh, do swabs. But often, when the, the swabs come out, by the time they come out, the patients are already better if it's viral or you've started them on a broad spectrum antibiotic. But ideally, yes, we should be doing swabs. Um, yeah, I know in, in Israel when I was when I was there, they do a swab, they grow it, if they put an incubator overnight. And if there's no bacterial growth the next day, they'll tell you, just carry on with your panado. And if there is, then they'll start you on an, an antibiotic. So you can do swabs. Or if there's a tonsillitis that's not getting better um, and you've tried all the antibiotics, you can do a swab and that will tell you whether it's a funny bacteria that you're not covering, like a rare bacteria, or if it's maybe a fungus or a, a virus or something like that. Good to know. Can you explain to our listeners the different part, parts of the ear and their functions? Okay, so the part that we can all see is called the pinna. It's made out of cartilage. It's almost like a funnel, and that directs the sound waves into our ear, into the ear canal, and the ear canal then directs them towards the eardrum. So what is the eardrum? 
the eardrum is a membrane called the proper medical term for it is the tympanic membrane and that vibrates and it converts sound from sound waves into energy and the eardrum vibrates it transfers the vibrations into the middle ear in the middle ear we've got three small bones the tiniest bones in your body three bones they call the malleus incus and stapes or the hammer anvil and stirrup and those bones amplify the sound and those um they amplify the sound sound then goes to your cochlea now your cochlea is the sensory organ it looks like a snail it's in your inner ear and it's got lots of little hair cells that are deflected by fluid so the vibrations go from the eardrum to the ossicles which are the ear bones and that goes into the cochlea and the cochlea has the hair cells those hair cells get vibrated at different frequencies and they send nerve signals through the auditory nerve to your brain and your brain interprets the sound how does your eardrum burst how does your eardrum burst so few ways um the most common way is a middle ear infection so either there's there's fluid in your middle ear and that fluid just like your nose produces snot and your mouth produces saliva your ear produces fluid and that fluid drains via the eustachian tube that's a tube that joins your ear to the back of your nose and your throat and the fluid drains if that fluid doesn't drain you get a build up of fluid in you get a build up of fluid in the ear if that fluid gets infected then what happens is the pressure can get too big and when it's too big your eardrum bursts another way your eardrum bur- can burst is from trauma most commonly um bump like a can be like either a car accident or bumping your head or um an open hand or um smack unfortunately to the ear um or blow to the ear can cause your eardrum to burst from that pressure does it take a long time to heal um most of them we if there's no infection and you've treated it well what the cause was it can take 6 weeks to, uh, six weeks to heal and most six of them weeks. most of them heal yeah you just got to keep the ear dry not go let any water in because that can prevent the the healing so if it's summer you can't swim yeah you can't or well, you can just with an ear plug with an ear plug yeah so the eardrum if the eardrum bursts you treat the cause and then you hope that it uh, you hope that it heals also important to do a hearing test because you can have hearing loss from the burst eardrum because remember your eardrum is meant to connect your eardrum is got to conduct the vibrations so when your eardrum is burst and hasn't healed yet can you yes. still hear as well you can hear but not as well um when you have a hole in your ear and, and if that eardrum doesn't doesn't burst if the uh, sorry if the eardrum doesn't heal then you can get a hole in your eardrum which is called a perforation and those we need to treat those we need to repair so you need to make sure it heals you make sure it heals yeah okay we have a caller on the line hello hello what's your name esty 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 oh wow that's a very nice name and how old are you esty is that Can you turn off your radio? Okay. How does the ear, nose, and throat connect? Are they how are they connected? So how do how do the ear, nose, and throat connect? They seem like such different parts yeah, of, the, it, of the face. Yeah, it it is. Uh, they are different parts of the face, but embryologically, they all 
come from the same part. As I said, either you got your ears on each side of your head and at the middle and front of your um, inside your middle ear, there's a tube that connects all the way inwards to your part called your nasopharynx. Nasopharynx is a fancy word for the top of your throat. So that's how your ears connect to your throat and your nose is just in front of that. So they all have like a common drainage pathway that your ears go to the... your um, so that your ears drain to your nasopharynx and your throat and your nose also drains to your nasopharynx and your throat. Oh, so that's how you get phlegm from your nose to your mouth? Yeah, your, your snot can go down your throat. Yeah, uh, that's quite gross. Into your mouth, that's it. So they're yeah. actually all connected. That's they're very all connected. That's why we put them together as ear, nose and throat. Historically, long, long ago, before doctors were very specialized, the eye used to be part of the same thing. So there's a famous hospital in New York called the eye and ear infirmary and that they used to treat eye, ear, nose and throat problems but then eventually the eye got so specialised that they left ear, nose and throat to their own discipline Wow, very interesting Yes. On that note, let's take a quick break with the song and we'll be right back You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM This is Hi Kids for Kids, by Kids My name is Bria Katz and I'm 11 years old now, let's carry on with the questions. How long does it take to study to become an ENT? So, from the beginning, you have to study medicine, and medicine for me was six years. It's a six-year degree straight from a trick. And then after that, in South Africa, you do your internship. It's just two years, and your community service, so that's nine years. Then after that, you can start to specialize. So you have to do a one-year of general surgery first, where you learn to operate on different parts of the body and then once you've done that so that's 10 years and then once you've done that you do four years of ENT so it took me 14 years wow that is a long time it's a long time tell me about it can you do anything to earn money in those 14 years yeah so you get you get paid so when at the end of your six years you start working as an intern and you get paid as an intern and as a community service doctor and then when you start specializing you get paid as well so you are getting paid from the time you finish um your six year medicine and then while you're busy specializing there's three exam ent exams you have to write a primary and intermediate and a final three not, that's not too bad not too bad three exams in four years yeah except the volume of the exams was terrible it takes you can take you more than six months to study for each one of them six months six months i promise wow yeah that is hectic sure do you ever have to redo your four years of ENT? Um, if you move to other country, if you move to another country, or if an ENT from overseas came here, they might have to do it there, do it here if they came. That's uh, that. Then that would be really, really long. Yeah, I would never do that. Eighteen years. Yeah. Woo! But then again, you can't just give up all that you've done. Sure, sure. But then you should just stay in your country. Yeah. That's <laughs> or go true. to a place where you don't have to write exams. Are there places that you don't have to write any exams? Yeah, well you, can, well, you can go, I could go now, certain countries I could go now and work in, one of them being Israel, wouldn't have to write any um, qualifying exams to go there. I could work straight. But I'm That's here. cool. But I'm here, and I work at Ned Kellingsville Hospital. In the hospital? Yeah, so my rooms are outside the hospital, in the parking lot of the hospital, and my, I operate in the main hospital and I admit and see patients in the main Linksfield Hospital. What do you have to operate on? So the most common thing is um, is grommets. Do you know what grommets are? I kind of know what they are. They're something that you put in your ear to like 
take the wax out or something like no, that? No, so, so as we spoke earlier about ears having fluid, if there's too much fluid in the middle ear, and this often happens in children because their eustachian tubes don't work properly, they don't drain the ears properly, they're short and horizontal and pressure builds up and so that you can improve their hearing and so that they don't get a lot of infections, you put a tiny, tiny little drain in and that little drain is called a grommet. So how does it work? So it makes a little hole in the eardrum and keeps it open so that any of that fluid in the, that builds up in the ear drains outside through the grommet instead of inside down into the throat through via the eustachian tube. So the grommet is behind the ear? It's inside the eardrum. You put inside it inside the eardrum. It looks like a little dumbbell and it's hollow. And it, it's basically a drain, a small little drain that's left in, into your, oh, in your Oh, so now I understand. If you have, like, let's say, a tissue and you take a pen and you like make a hole, yeah. that's kind of what a grommet is. Kind of. The grommets would be like the, the pen. If you left the pen lid on, in the tissue, they would allow uh, something to pass from either side. Yeah, that's what it would be. A grommet's like a drain. So that's one of the operations. Then um, do, taking out tonsils. And we do that for two reasons. Usually one is if um, someone gets tonsillitis very, very often and they're very, very sick, maybe they get it seven times a year. Or um, if their tonsils are so big that they're snoring very, very badly, we take them out. Then we take out adenoids. Adenoids are basically um, the tonsils of the nose. They are glands that sit at the back of the nose. They just like the tonsils. And the problem with them as well is when they get very, very big, they can block your nose so that kids snore, and also they can block your ears draining on the inside. So you can take out adenoids. So those are probably my business operations, the most common operations. Then the other things are sinus surgeries to wash and clean out your sinuses and open them up, and something called a septoplasty, which is to straighten the bone in the middle of your nose. Um, also, if you're snoring or there's your nose feels blocked the whole time, obstructed might be a deviated septum. Then we do repair of holes in eardrums, clean out infected ears, and then things of the, voc- the, the vocal cords or the voice box. Yep, that's what we do. And then also included in ENT is a, a part called head and neck surgery, and that deals with cancers of the head and neck, cancers of the tongue, the cheek, the floor of the mouth, the saliva glands, sometimes some places the thyroid, the voice box, we deal with those as well. Wow. Have you operated on those kind of things before? Yeah, sure. A lot of our training, um, I'd say a third of our training is focused on head and neck cancer surgery. Wow. Yeah. So you do quite a lot of operations. Yeah. You wouldn't think that an ENT would do so many. Yeah, well, that's why I chose it. That's the nice part part about it is that um, you see children and adults. You get to operate and consult. There's a relatively nice clean anatomy, if you don't mind, it's not spit and wax. And um, I love operating, so that's why that's why I did it. And there's not so many emergencies, so your hours are pretty good as well. Talking about emergencies, yes. how does a doctor remain calm in an emergency? I think you have to, I don't know. Um, you're forced to, you probably see them so often that you kind of become, uh, it's like routine, for you it might seem that it's, uh, you know, something very hectic or... Uh, you become very panicked and flustered, but I think once you've seen enough or dealt with enough, you kind of get used to it. And it doesn't help to be nervous because then you make the patient even more nervous. Sure. Definitely. You've got to always remain calm.
that is one of the things that a doctor has to do. Many sure. things. Sure. But if you if you're a doctor and you don't like that, then you can go into other fields where you don't have to deal with emergencies. emergencies. Yeah. So you mentioned about a, a deviated septum. Yeah. So what is that? So, so a septum is a bone inside your nose. Well, it's a bone and cartilage inside your nose that divides your one nostril from your other nostril. What's so bad about having it skew? What's so bad about having it skew is that the air that goes into your nose is meant to go in a straight fashion. It gets warmed and filtered in your nose and then goes down into your lungs. If your septum is deviated or skew, the air bounces around in your nose. It's turbulent, which just means that it flows around in funny patterns and that causes blockage of your nose, that causes dryness of your nose, can cause bleeding. And can cause uh, sinus problems and you would, snoring. You would never think that a skew bone could do that much. Yeah, yeah, and you can't even see it, only when you look inside your nose. I mean, most people who have them don't even know that they have them. Have skew septums, yeah. So then you wouldn't know why your nose is blocked. You wouldn't know your nose is blocked, and that's when you go to your ENT and he'll tell you. He'll see. Put a camera in your nose and have a look. That must be a bit uncomfortable to have a camera un- in your nose. It is uncomfortable, but we do give local um, anesthetic also in your nose, a spray. And then you put the camera in the nose to have a look inside. Okay, that's a bit better then. Yeah, sure. Most people can tolerate it. What else do you do? In my in my life or as an ENT? Just in your life. In my life. So um, I have a, a wife and three children, thank God. Um, so I spend a lot of time with them. I like DIY. I love motors and engines and building things. I've got a junkyard at home of... Bikes and boats and jet skis and scooters and stuff that I like working on when I have time. And my biggest passion is being a moil. Moil, what is that? A moil. A moil is a person who does ritual circumcisions, Jewish babies, and we do them on the eighth day, or the eighth day of life. Or if a person's converting or if they haven't had it, we do it for them whenever the time is right or they're ready. What circumstances can't a baby have? A birth on the eighth day after its birth. Okay, so the baby's health is the most important thing. So, God forbid there's a sick baby that is jaundice. That's the most common thing. What is jaundice? So, jaundice is when the baby turns yellow. So, often um, from different things, either with your liver or with the blood, you get a chemical in your in your body called bilirubin. And when that bilirubin is high enough, it reflects in your skin or your eyes and it's yellow, and that's called that's called jaundice. So that's the most common reason why baby's breast is delayed. Then any type of infection, most commonly in the eyes or lungs, fluid in the lungs, any admission to hospital where their baby receives medicine or antibiotics, we postpone the breast until the baby is 100% better, and once the doctor says the baby is 100% better, we wait seven days after that and then we do the breast. So the birth could be a month after the baby. Sure. My, my one son was born very small. He was born at 1.8 kilos. Oh, and wow. His breast was only six weeks after he was born. And I've done breasts where the baby's been sick. And then we do them at three months. Three months? Yeah, three What's months. What's the old. most you've ever done? A 95-year-old man. 95? 95-year-old man. Did he convert? Man. No, he didn't. It's a very interesting story that... Um, do you know what Pekuach Nefesh is? Yes. Saving a life. Yes. So so in order to save a life, we... Um, do you know what a Chazaka is? No, not really. Chazaka is a... I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Um, I think it, like a, a fixed habit. Usually when you do something three times, it becomes a Chazaka in Judaism. But when, oh, when it comes... So when if you 
Yeah. If you there's a pasuk you say after halal, so if you say that three times after halal, then you do it. No, time. well, yeah. If you put on, uh, if you say, I don't know, if you put on to fill in three times, that's kind of a chazaka. Or if someone comes to you for supper three Friday nights in a row, it's kind of like a chazaka that they come to you for Friday night supper. But so when it comes to saving a life, pekuach nefesh, we make a chazaka on two. So long ago, before we had modern medicine. Um, babies unfortunately died from bleeding at their bristles. So if there was a family, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, Chazushama had um, uh, two boys that died from their breasts from bleeding. You don't breast the third boy. Usually with a Chazaki, you wait for three, but with Pukach Nefesh, saving life, we wait. We do it on two. So this man had two brothers in uh, where he was in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s. Two of his brothers died from their bristles, so he wasn't brist. Oh, yeah. So he wasn't brist. So um, when he was 95 on his deathbed, he asked his rabbi for a bris. And he didn't make it any time. He died, but we brist him after he died before we buried him. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, but I've done a lot of adults and a lot of teenagers, bombers for boys, uh, guys who are converting or people that just... Uh, Never got around to having a breast for whatever reason. That is an incredible story. Yeah, it Very is inspirational. Cool. So, where do you work? Where do I work? So, I work at Netcare Linksfield Hospital, and the breasts I do can be anywhere. They can be in people's bedrooms. They can be at a shul. They can be in my rooms at a surgery. Um, wherever there's a breast, I'll go. I've been to Thailand, Taiwan, Singapore, Dubai, Zimbabwe, Wow. Cyprus, Australia, you Israel. You travel a lot. Yeah. Wherever, as I say, if there's a baby who needs to be breast, I'll go there. That's so cool. Yeah, I will. So your job includes traveling as well? does include traveling, yeah. Very fun. It is a lot of fun. And how can people reach you? How can people reach me? So my um, on the I have a few websites. One is tangta.ca.za. One is drdeanent.ca.za. If they just look on Google Maps or Google Dr. Dean Gerson, G-E-R-S-U-N. Um, they, otherwise, my room's number is 011-440-6357 or 011-485-0070. But um, if they need me and they just Google me, they'll find me. Cool. And I can definitely say that Dr. Gerson is a very good ENT. I've been to him before. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. It's been really fun. Such a pleasure. It's been so interesting learning more about the ears, nose and throat. Pleasure. Anytime. After the song, I'll count how many times you can say the tongue twister in just 10 seconds. You can now call on 010-140-3020. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. Are you ready for the tongue twister? This is how it works. You can call us on 010-140-3020 and I will count how many times you can say the tongue twister in 10 seconds. Before, before, I wrap up the red, before I do the tongue twister, I want to wish someone a very happy birthday, 13th birthday. Happy birthday to Lexi Abramson. Hope you have a wonderful day.
can now call on 010-140-3020 to see if you can say the tongue twister faster than me. The, fa- the tongue twister is Do Thinkers Think. DJ Flo, please start the timer. Three, two, one, go. Do think a think, 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 do think a think. I think that was fifteen. Wow, tongue twister queen. I love tongue twisters. Do you want to do the tongue twister, Dr. Gerson? I think so, let me try. Okay, go for it. Okay, tell me when. One, two, three. Do think as think to 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 think as think Nineteen and I thought I was good. No, because I'm a doctor of the tongue, remember? Oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah. Well done. Let's wrap up the riddle. The riddle was hand she has but does not hold. Teeth she has, but does not bite. Feet she has, but she's not cold. Eyes she has, without sight. Who is she? The answer was, your doll. Thank you for everyone, to everyone for playing. Thank you to my guest, Dean Gerson, Dr. Dean Gerson, and my producer, Mandy, and DJ Flo, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Chai Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Ha Kids, 4 Kids, Ba Kids.